We are talking undrafted free agent rookies for the San Francisco 49ers, Leon O'Neal Jr. and Quantrez Knight. How do they fit into the 49ers defense? Do they have a shot at making the team or maybe sticking around on the practice squad at least for a while? Strengths, weaknesses, we'll look at the safety position as well. Are they even both safeties? We'll, we'll dive into that as well with Quantrez coming up right now. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker with you once again at PD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker. Thanks for making Locked On 49ers your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. We're talking undrafted free agents, and this is fun, Croc, getting into the scouting reports on some of these guys. And and look, uh, Leon O'Neal Jr. Has a, has, was a big-name player. A lot of people knew who he was. It was similar to when we were talking centers, right? Poe was sort of the, the name that everybody learned about later in the process, but Donovan West, people knew about him, you know, mocking yeah. him in the middle rounds. And I think Leon, Leon O'Neal Jr. was similar, similar uh, for the 49ers. And before we get into the, the strengths and weaknesses in the scouting reports and, you know, if they can ma- make the team and, and what, what the position groups look like there on the inside of the 49ers secondary, uh, I do want to say that, uh, and there was some pushback in some fans, you know, especially, you know, there, there was one fan in particular, I think he was in the YouTube comments, and he was an Arizona State fan. And he thought we were disrespecting Donovan West a little bit. <laughs> and I yeah. just want to remind people, we're, these aren't first rounders that we're talking about anymore. So when you're looking at strengths and weaknesses, we have to be real and, and it's an uphill battle for all of these guys to even try to make a roster, period, let alone talking about a guy like he's going to be some superstar, you know, starting player. And it is possible that he can get there. And it happens a lot. There's a ton of undrafted free agents around the league. But, Croc, you had that uphill battle. You knew what it's like to not get drafted and be in training camp and what that's like. And, and it's not an easy task. So it, it, when we're breaking down some of these players, if it doesn't sound like we're talking about a first-round prospect, it's because they're not first-round prospects. They're not. And in these cases, over the last few guys that we've talked about, they're not even draft picks. So a lot of times, kind of the biggest difference is the either consistency or high-end ability, right? And when we say high-end ability, some guys like – a lot of guys that go undrafted maybe don't test off of the charts, right? Let's say uh, Kendrick Bourne, right? Somebody who's made a lot of money in the NFL now. He's done very well for himself. He might go into this season as the New England Patriots wide receiver one, a guy that made it as an undrafted rookie free agent for the San Francisco 49ers. Well, when he was coming out of Eastern Washington, we're talking about a guy who definitely put up good numbers, but he ran a 4-7. And one thing that kind of stands out about guys that typically go undrafted or in that range, they either one, play that maybe some small school, lesser known, uh, maybe don't have the, quite the production or from a height, weight, speed standpoint, don't hit the thresholds. So it makes them kind of go undrafted a little bit. Maybe that's the case with Donovan West. We talked about him a little light in the ass a little bit. Poe, one of the shorter guards slash centers or whatever he's going to be that I've ever seen, right? Even the guy that they compared him to, the Mason kid, even, or wait, who was it? The, the guard? Uh, Shaq yeah, Shaq Mason. Yeah, Shaq Mason, right? Everybody compared him to. But wait, he, he was what, 6'2"? Or close to it, little under six two. He, he was a, a, an inch plus taller, and he's like right. the smallest, the shortest guy that you can have to compare. And he's still an inch shorter than that. So yeah, right. there's there's always a reason they go undrafted, and it doesn't and it mean doesn't mean they can't play. 
It doesn't mean they can't play. Mean that they can't play. Uh, yeah. Matt Breda, uh, again, yeah. Kendrick Bourne. We've seen plenty of guys from the 49ers that were undrafted and figured out a way to kind of either what their niche was going to be. Um, I think with some of those guys, a lot of times they end up being a little bit more specific to something as opposed to something that someone that has a well a more well-rounded game. Like, I mean, off the top of the head, and this isn't something we prepare for, but like, who's the best undrafted guy in the NFL right now? <laughs> like, you know, like, that's tough. And it's especially tough for impact positions, too. But you can find safeties that were undrafted. You can find interior offensive linemen that were undrafted. So uh, I think that bodes well for those position groups that we talked about in the last couple episodes where we're breaking down some of these undrafted players. Um, with that in mind, uh, let's start with Leon O'Neal Jr. because he's a player that a lot of 49ers fans are pretty excited about. He's already made a couple plays in in OTAs and minicamp for the 49ers, showing off some hands. He had a one-handed interception. Uh, the, the thing that stands out to me when I was watching 49ers prospects and draft picks was the 49ers third round draft pick, Ty Davis Price, just completely trucking, running. Oh, he, it was the first play on all the Ty Davis Price highlights was the low light of <laughs> Leon O'Neal just getting completely run over by Ty Davis Price. Right. Um, and but he stuck his nose in there, too. You know, so um, it, it, <laughs> Ty Davis Price real quick uh, when I was watching Quantes night. There was a play where uh, Ty Davis Price lined up kind of at the two spot, and they did kind of like this switch release, and he did like a little flare out and caught a little swing pass, and he turned up field, and the guy, and he just boom bulldozed over him, and you can see Knight like, damn, I don't want that to happen to me. Like I just saw my buddy get <laughs> just ran through. So yeah, I mean, this is a big physical. That's a big physical back. So I get what happened with Knight, and or excuse me, Neil. And O'Neal, and the tough thing is open field. But he did have a nice play in the open field that I, I can't wait to talk about against Alabama. Yeah, the Ty Davis Price is physical and will run over some people, and he's a thick dude. So, look, uh, that's gonna that's gonna happen to some folks. I, I want to talk about something else really quick as it pertains to Leon O'Neal before we get into the specifics, and because we got some time to dive into these two prospects and, and talk a little bit about the 49ers secondary and if these guys have a shot at in camp, and I think they do at their respective positions. And what those positions even are for these two prospects in Quantrez Knight out of UCLA and uh, Leon O'Neill uh, out of Texas A&M. But w- especially watching Leon O'Neill, we're talking about Ty Davis Price, you know, LSU. You were mentioning earlier how you were watching him and then Jameson Williams, Alabama, just stands out. What does it say about Leon O'Neill Jr. and the conference he played in and the prospects he's going up against? Because we're talking about dudes that were day one, day two picks, right? So the level of competition he faced, and if he could hang there, he could probably hang in the league. Right, and, I, and I, I'm pretty sure he'd tell you, you know, a lot of what he's going to see at the next level. All right, let's just say he's at 49ers practice and he's lined up and there's Brandon Ayuk. He's probably looking at it like, I played against Jamison Williams. <laughs> you know, like that was a, a top 12 pick. Like, that was a guy, one of the most explosive guys. And if not for a 20 ACL, would he not be the number one receiver taken off the board at pick eight to Atlanta Falcons, right? So when you play against that caliber guys, week in, week out. I mean, just think over the last few years, the guys he's seen. I mean, all those LSU guys that got drafted, all the Alabama receivers that got drafted. Like, he's playing against these guys that were consistently top half of the uh, first round pick. So, okay, going against a guy like Ayuk, all right, like, okay. And even if you say, well, you know what, Ayuk, he's, he's cool. Like, he could hold his own in the SEC, which he was recruited to be actually a cornerback to Alabama. Yeah. All right, but what about all the other guys that are out there on the field? And he's lined up and he's looking at it like this is not this is not like the talent I saw 
in the SEC consistently. He probably played against Juwan Jennings, but you know, yeah. aside from that, Jennings was a seventh round pick as opposed to some of these other guys who are just you know flying off the board early and often from the SEC. And, and Jennings could have very easily been undrafted, and it's really clear why because he he wasn't super athletic and there was a little off field stuff. But when you watched him play, and it's funny because Kendrick Bourne. I, we didn't do this type of an episode and crock. You weren't doing the podcast with me back in 2017, right? When, when Kendrick Bourne was an undrafted free agent, but if we've gone through Kendrick Bourne, it'd been obvious. Like, well, he doesn't have the top speed, but he's got some quicks and he can get open. There's a little something there. And if he's going to make it, it's because of that. And with Juwan Jennings, it was the same thing last year. It was like, look, you know, uphill battle, maybe um, seventh round pick, but man, the physicality is obvious. He's got natural right after catch. Run after catch in a different way, very different way than you think of run after the catch guys. He's very physical, right? And and he runs through guys. And there's that classic play where you take a screenshot of him where there's 11 defenders like on the ground. You know, it's was, it was a tech mobile play where you're Bo Jackson running run into the guys and guys are falling off. There's like, it wasn't 11. It was like seven defenders. And Juwan Jennings has like this big, long run. And he's literally knocking guys over. And it was pretty amazing to watch. And so there's always something there, too, that you can bank on that might carry the player. And if they're to make it and then they develop the other stuff. Um, and, and that's what's really exciting about it. And one more point on the battle testedness of Leon O'Neal. And I want to go to he was a three year starter at Texas A&M in the eight in the SEC. So he played 13 games as a freshman in 2018. He had 14 tackles that year, a couple of tackles for loss, and he did have a pick. And then he started 10 games in 2019. So 2019, we're talking Joe Burrow throwing to Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, right? And Terrace Marshall. And Terrace Marshall, right? That so he, he's and Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who was the first round pick <laughs> out the backfield. So he's a starting safety in in that conference, right? In in 2019 as a sophomore, then starts 10 games in 2020, 12 more games in 2021. So a three-year starter in the SEC. So battle-tested, yeah, he's not going to be afraid of anything he sees out there. Um, but next, the important thing is, okay, now how good can he be? Where's the, the, the top-end ability? Height, weight, speed, okay, but what do we see on tape as well with both Leon O'Neal and Quantrez Knight coming up? next but we got to let the folks out there know and i know you got i know you're burning up croc you got some things to talk about but I, we, we got to tell the folks about blue nile blue nile.com you can celebrate all of life's special moments from creating the custom engagement ring of her dreams but or uh giving the the classic and timeless jewelry piece to someone that's special in your life all at prices that you won't find at a traditional jeweler you can find anything you need. You want to take your relationship to the next level, not even uh, an engagement ring. But uh, there's tons of other ways that people are showing their love to their significant other. Uh, you're, you want to buy something nice for your mother. How about Father's Day coming up? You want to buy dad a ring? Buy him like a, buy him something that's like a big and, and Super Bowl ring looking. Arena Bowl ring looking, right? It, like, like Eric Crocker's Arena Bowl ring that he's got somewhere unless his, uh, his children ran off with it. And hopefully, hopefully he's able to find that someday because he couldn't find it the other day. Um, yeah, and, and look, the best part for me with Blue Nile has always been the customer service with what they're able to help you do. Because for me, I'm always going to need help with, when I'm buying something for somebody. Looking for fine jewelry. If you're having trouble choosing, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7. Available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. So make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked On 49ers listeners will get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This is a podcast exclusive that includes engagement as well. So to get that $50 off, use promo code LOCKEDON. 
That's code locked on. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. So shop stress free and find your forever peace. Go to bluenile.com today. I do want to thank everybody once again for making Locked On 49ers your first listen. Uh, for your second listen, check out the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft, which starts June 16th. I know a lot of you loved and tuned into the NFL Mock Draft. This is the same thing, but for the NBA Draft, it's coming up. Warriors don't have one of those lottery picks, you know. Uh, I can't. Where, where the where the Lakers picking, by the way, Croc? Oh. I don't know. It's weird. Listen, I haven't paid attention as much, but for, the Lakers traded away a ton of picks. Yeah, but I feel like they got one back somehow. I, okay. but I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. But they traded away a bunch of picks to get Anthony yeah. Davis. So well, basically, whoever they draft won't be playing with future Warrior if he has anything to say about it. LeBron James, who wants to now go join the Warriors, which I'm not surprised about. With over 50 insiders, nothing equals the ultimate NBA mock draft. The locked on NBA big board draft experts. Uh, plus Odyssey Insiders. The first pick is June 16th. Search Ultimate NBA Mock Draft and follow now so you don't miss a pick. All right, Croc. Leon O'Neal Jr. There, there was a point I think you wanted to make before we went to break there about Leon O'Neal in the in the SEC. Well, no, just with all these guys, right? We're going to talk about with uh, Neil O'Neal. We're going to talk about it with Quadro's Knight, but just you got to figure out where do they win. And can they win at a consistent enough rate to carry that over to the NFL and be utilized in that area? And I think I found that for for O'Neal. Oh, you okay? I can't wait to find out what that exact thing is. Thirty-two starts in the SEC for Leon O'Neal. Played four years at Texas A&M. Led his team in interceptions with two interceptions his last two years in 2020 and 2021. Actually returned one eighty-five yards for a touchdown as well. So he's six one and a half, two hundred and four pounds. He ran four seven flat. Now, if you're if you're wondering why someone who is that battle tested and is a pretty good player in Leon O'Neal, why was he not drafted? He ran four seven. Uh, also, what should be noted is he ran that at the pro day, I believe, and everyone at Texas A&M ran a very slow uh, time. So I don't know if whoever was the timer just screwed all these guys, but from <laughs> O'Neal to Spiller, who ran four six two, and people were yeah. not expecting that. Yeah. Uh, the tight end, gosh, uh, he- Heidenberger, I-, I can't think of his name right now, but the big tight end. Was that the dude that ran like five flat? Dang near like five flat, right? So, oh, I mean, oh. the times were extremely yeah. slow at Texas A&M. Not saying it wasn't right, but either everybody was just hella slow or the timer, he was a little slow with his trigger finger. There's going to be some prospects that are kicking themselves for not running the combine because the combine times were crazy fast. Yeah. And, and usually people try to improve their times. And usually it says something about the prospect that they're trying to wait for their pro day because they're trying to get that extra, you know, 0.05 yeah. on there. And so it might have not worked out in uh, in Texas A&M prospects favor and maybe not in because like you, you, you want to get that four, six, nine too. the well, four, if, seven is where if he would have ran four, six, three, I mean, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation with him as a 49er undrafted, yeah. you know, is he would have went maybe for the fifth round or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like the, the 40 yard dash for a lot of these guys, it's all about money. It, it doesn't mean that they like you any less as a football player, but how high do I have to take you? And right. the 49ers were right saying, you know what? We do like him as a football player, but we think he's a guy that can potentially be undrafted. It kind of changes what people think the trajectory of your career could be with how you match up with the NFL speed. Mm-hmm. And uh, for 
for O'Neal. They were right. Like, hey, I think this is a guy now that we can get undrafted. And they did. And his 10-yard split, not good, which is probably goes into why the 48-yard dash time doesn't look great. 1.65 is, is not a good 10-yard split for a fast guy, you know, a safety, a guy who's, who's 200. That's lower than the edge rushers. Yeah, a lot of edge rush. Oh, for sure. And a lot of offensive linemen even beating that in the 10-yard split. 35-and-a-half-inch vertical jump. Um, he was 10-5 broad jump at the combine. He did run a few things at the combine. His best attribute physically as far as workouts goes is the three cone he was sub seven in the three cone really nice three cones both combine and pro day which is you know change of direction stuff body lean and bend and things like that so 6.89 three cone at the combine and then followed it up again with 683 at the pro day so you know it's not a fluke 15 bench press reps as well so short area uh you would think that's where he shines at least in in agility but then he didn't have a, a the the burst in the short area with the 10 yard split in his 40 yard dash time either. So I'm not sure if those things really even add up that great. So I don't know what to think about him physically as a prospect, but I, I don't think he looks terribly. He, you can tell he doesn't blaze, but I don't think he looks terribly slow on the field. I didn't think he was terribly slow. I, I think the thing for me is they used him a lot all over. Right. I mean, in the sense of a, a safety, he played single high, he played too high. They'd bring him down into the box. I thought when he was out there at single high where you would like to see some of the rangy things that, you know, you want your safety to do, I thought the anticipation on the underneath routes to be able to see that, like, burst. And it's the anticipation or the lack thereof that maybe made it to where he didn't look as fast, if that makes sense. Yeah. So the question becomes, was he just he's just not that quick-footed to get there and he's seeing it quickly? Or was he slow to see it? Or is it kind of a combination of both? Could be a combination of both, right? And these are conversations we had about Hufunga, right? And for everything no everybody says about Hufunga and the lack of athleticism, well, <laughs> this is worse, right? Hufunga ran a 4.61 at his pro day. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the guy just had a fa- faster trigger finger. But one thing that Hufunga will either, either had at USC, and it was clear, and people are maybe banking on at the NFL level, that his willingness to go above and beyond to learn how to play with more anticipation. Uh, that's where he's going to excel. Right. Yeah. And, and Hufanga is definitely excelling there and he can make up for that lack of a half a step just by, by processing it quicker, knowing where to be and triggering faster. And I think we've seen that from Hufanga and, and Hufanga might be that starting strong safety, but there's, there's an opportunity maybe to, to sneak in there and, and win a job at safety. That is one spot that I think there could be somebody that is an undrafted free agent that might have room to add a guy in some of the positions like this isn't like the wide receiver group was when Kendrick Bourne was drafted or was not drafted by the 49ers, but that was just a, you know, a wasteland and there was more opportunity for undrafted free agents. Then it's going to be harder this year for undrafted free agents. Um, if, if in your mind, if Leon O'Neill either makes it or doesn't, what do you think the reason would be why for either one of those cases? Uh, I'd say, because he didn't get that last thing that I touched on, right? Like really being that guy where if if I'm not as if I'm not as fast, which again, he was in the SEC. So if he was able to make it there, then cool. But again, there was something on this film that they didn't like enough to where he was not drafted. Right. Maybe it was just only the 40 yard dash time, but maybe there were certain aspects of his game he was missing. I would say he has to be able to learn if depending on how they want to utilize him to play with more anticipation from off if you're not going to be as fast now if 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 he is going to make it right like let's switch it to that because there are some things that i thought jumped out right away all right immediately when i was watching i'm just like waiting for him to make 
some type of play. Like I watch a lot of safeties, and it is tough comparing an undrafted guy to some of your favorite safeties that go in the first few rounds. There are some safeties where I'm like, man, how'd this guy go in the third round? Like, this guy is terrific. Let's say, like, Juan Thornhill that came out a few years ago to the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, watching him, it was like, man, single high, two high. He's making plays all over. Six interceptions. He's rangy. He's dropping down in coverage. He can play man on guys. He's playing in the box. Like, he does so much, and it just jumped right out to you. But, again, this is the guy that was taking in the second round. O'Neal it was very clear that he had to play in a more specific role, in, in my opinion. And it was someone that played a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage. I was waiting for him to make plays out in coverage, waiting for him to make plays. And again, you can watch a highlight, and in the, in the highlight you'll see him make plays. But I just mean what's, what's consistent during games. And I thought he was much better around the line of scrimmage, where he played with great – it might be anticipation or just maybe it was his assignment – and he was just timing it up right, but him getting up to the line of scrimmage, stuffing lanes, making tackles at the line of scrimmage or for loss, uh, how he blitzed off of the edge where he might, you know, run off of the, the edge. And I don't know if it was a game between those guys, if it was designed, but him pick the right hole and get there, get a sack on the quarterback, uh, saw him take on receivers at, uh, uh, on screen plays, knocked them over, go in, running and get ta- uh, tackle. So I just thought in space, look a little lost at times, but if you start to utilize him a little bit more as a true traditional strong safety, I thought that that's where his value is. So what I'm hearing from you is it's a poor man's Hufanga. So if Hufanga is going to be the starter, you plug in <laughs> O'Neal as his backup, right? Well, I mean, again, I don't know poor, poor man's, but uh, from what I saw, they, they probably have a lot of similarities. And Hufanga ran a four six one. If O'Neal ran a four six one. He might have been drafted in the same range as Hufanga. Yeah, and so and that's that's one of the big things because with Hufanga, we were watching him and thinking, ah, man, he, and I think Hufanga ran faster than he actually even played at USC because he dropped 10, 15 pounds or something right. uh, I think before he he ran. So even I think he played slower than four six one. But man, if if four six one Hufanga at similar size, you know, six feet two hundred, if if four six one Hufanga we thought was a tick slow and we're thinking thinking maybe it's a linebacker four seven zero O'Neal. You know, he, he's going to have to process quickly and you're going to be worried about the range. And, and you probably aren't going to see a player where you're excited about interchanging those safeties and, and putting him in the deep middle of the field. Well, Hufunga for me, it wasn't so much the 40 time that worried me. It was on field where you're just watching him and the guy. And then, OK, when he has to change direction and and the pursuit, though, there were times where it's just like, ah, just a step slow. Then he chased it, uh, uh, just a step from being there. Then like, yeah, I think he's just always a step slow. <laughs> he's just a slow. He's slow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that's what the worry was for me with Hufanga. And we'll see what it looks like. Uh, but I think Hufanga has the lead as a starting safety. We'll, we'll look into that safety position next. And another prospect that might compete potentially at safety. Or is he a corner in Quantrez Knight out of UCLA next? But first, we got to talk about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all betting stats and sports information. You can find tons of NFL futures at Bet Online. Tons of props with with, uh, with player props, um, yards, sacks, and how many sacks will Nick Bosa get? Will Trey Lance be MVP in his first year as a starter for the 49ers? How about Kyle Shanahan, Coach of the Year? Those are things you can bet on at Bet Online. It's your number one source for not just sports wagering, but the latest sports developments, news, and uh, also obviously odds as well. And NBA Finals, NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, and of course all the latest news on different 
fights like MMA, UFC, and boxing. Bet online, your continued source for sports wagering information, including live bets, esports, and more. So you got to get over to the website today. Find what you think you have the edge on. Maybe you can win some cash on. Use your desktop or mobile device to learn more about all the trends and action at Bet Online, where the game starts. Okay, Croc, Quantrez Knight out of UCLA. Um, he is he's an inside player to me all day. Is, is that what you saw from from Quantrez Knight? And the question is, is he a nickel or a safety, or do you think he play a little outside corner too? You know, it's, it's interesting you 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 ask that because the first thing that I have in my notes is nickel, and then I have a little hyphen, and it says true nickel. So, like that—that's what I saw right away. It was a guy that solely played in the nickel spot. Now, maybe he's listed as a safety. I don't know. I don't know what he was listed at. But when I put on the film and I look for number twenty-four, he was solely lined up at nickel. There were a few times where I thought he did play more safety, but he like lined up as a nickel, and then it looked almost like a, a an inverted defense, where a lot of times in inverted defense, the safeties go down, then you'll see like a corner or someone else kind of drop back. You can put on 49er film and maybe see Kawan Williams do something like that. All right. So that was uh, something I saw. But o- overall, what I saw, true, true nickel, in my opinion. I agree. Yeah. I think he's an inside guy and he was inside uh, at, at UCLA a lot. And you, you know, you see him around, around the line of scrimmage a lot. 5'10 and a half, 195 pounds, ran a 4'5, 9 in the 40. And, you know, shorter arms. So, you know, w- when you look at his profile, it, everything screams inside from height, weight, speed, from how he played at UCLA. And look, we talked about Leon O'Neill, where there's maybe safety. There's a spot to win a job. Maybe Quantrez Knight, if he can play a little safety, a little nickel. There's a spot at nickel that's wide open, too, because Kwan Williams is gone. And I feel like the 49ers have a lot of these guys now with Quantrez Knight added to the mix with Darquez Denard, who's been playing a lot in the nickel in practices and we haven't really talked about him a lot at, on this podcast because I kind of forgot he was even on the roster coming out of last season and um, Diamador Lenore and Sam Womack too. So there's a lot of guys right. battling for a lot of spots. So it's still an uphill battle, but that is a position the 49ers need and they need to be a couple deep there. I also want to say if he was listed as a safety, right. And it, I, I don't know if he was or not, but if he was listed as a safety, one thing I have seen kind of be a trend, in college football is play a safety at the star position slash nickel. So he's a guy that does not come off the field. So I might be watching it and just be like, oh, that, that's a nickel. But UCLA might say, oh, well, no, we just like him there because he's someone we didn't have to take off the field. So we yeah. saw that with um, the kid out of Baylor, uh, number eight. Can't think of uh, his Petrie, name right now. Jalen Petrie. Yeah, Jalen Petrie. We yeah. saw that with him. Uh, if you go back to last year, you had Javon Holland at Oregon. He ended up being a legit safety as a rookie for uh, the Miami Dolphins. I mean, if you go back a couple more years, Minka Fitzpatrick, he was a guy that played the star position for Alabama. So, again, I, I'm just watching it not knowing anything else. I'd say, oh, he plays nickel. But, again, if they're saying, oh, he's a safety, we just kind of played him in that spot, then maybe there is a little bit of room for more versatility as a more of a true safety. And even uh, Jeremiah Wusukormoa, and especially Fred Warner, Right. And, right. and so even going further than saying, oh, you put your safety there so you don't have to take them off the field. In a lot of cases, these defense are just putting their best player there. Like yeah. we want to because we don't want you to be able to avoid our best player who's in the deep middle or who's you know playing corner on one side. We want our best player in the action where you can't avoid him. So I think that bodes well for Quantrez Knight. And I think he shows enough 
um, athletic ability to be able to hang. And I, I think he shows a little bit of a temperament as well. So like if, if you're looking for K1 Williams, like he's kind of that he's got yeah. that cocktail, right? I think he's the closest thing to Kawan Williams that I've seen out of guys where it's like, hey, here's a nickel for the 49ers. Like, how does he fit in? Uh, the one thing that stood out to me right away, high motor. All right. And I put no loafs. And what I mean by that, like a loaf, when we're getting graded in film and it's not a PFF, how they grade players, like we get like a plus or minus. And a loaf is if there's a play to like the backside and you just make no attempt to get there, like they'll say, oh, that's a loaf. Sometimes people make you pay fines for that. Um, in college, they might just mark it off and you might have to do something for it. But you don't have that with him. I thought when he identified the play, whether it was away or to him, he was running to the ball or at least taking enough steps until it was clear, oh, okay, the guy's tackled or whatever. So that was that was really cool to see. Uh, also, looking for a, a couple more pluses, I, uh, I thought he was very uh, physical. So I have just physical, right? Like he's a guy that is not scared at all to stick his head in there and get dirty. Pause. All right. Like he's a guy that's not worried about the physicality of the game. Uh, there was a play on the goal line where it might have been against Ty Davis Price, I think. Yeah. Nice goal line tackle versus Ty Davis Price where he cut, like gets him from the backside. And this is a guy that's not worried at all about the contact. So when you hear safety and you think physicality when it comes to safety, like he definitely showed that. Uh, very physical, very scrappy from that standpoint. I didn't see a whole lot of man coverage. So almost like Jalen Petrie, who played a lot in the nickel spot, you don't see a whole lot of man. You see some match type stuff. I saw that with him as well. He played a whole lot in space. So it was hard to get a, a read on just the more man coverage skills, which in the NFL, you're, you're asked. I don't care where you play. Like you're asked to play more man coverage than you are in college. All right. Uh, now, there are more some colleges where if you put on Alabama, LSU, a lot of some of these SEC schools, if you put on their film, you'll see a lot more man coverage. In Pac-12, you don't see a whole lot of man. So with him, I didn't see a whole lot of that. I saw a lot of zone, him playing off in space. I do think the one thing that I, I'm going to say worried me, but again, watching him through the eyes of, okay, a nickel, right? I didn't think he was very bursty. And, you know, I thought he had good feet in his pedal. I saw him turn around one, a few times. And I was like, okay, that, that, that looks smooth, looks good. But I don't just see, I don't see the burst. I don't see the burst out of his breaks, out of his cuts. And again, that is still something that is a little bit more like Kwan Williams. Kwan Williams didn't have like that legit burst vertically, but underneath, Kwan Williams ate all that up. I mean, he ate everything up. If we're talking about a, a play eight yards and in, he was on it. And I didn't quite see that same type of burst from Knight, but again, I, I have to I have to continue to watch a little bit more. Looking at the, the 49ers roster, I'm trying to think of who are the especially at nickel and safety who are the locks for the roster i do think it hurts them th these prospects especially the undrafted guys of trying to actually make the 53 and i think uh, i think there's a good chance quadras night and um and both the the centers we talked about in the last episode and, and leon o'neill today i think if they don't make the 53 i think it's an uphill battle to make the 53 i think there's a good chance all of them as long as they don't get you know stolen away by another team would for sure be back on the practice squad i think they've shown that sort of ability. And I've heard both O'Neill and Quantrez Knight making plays in OTAs and minicamp already too. So good reports there, but looking at the locks at safety, Jimmy Ward, Talano Hufanga and Odom because of his ability on special teams. And who knows, maybe he's even the starter at strong safety as well. I see three locks for sure at safety. Tarvarius Moore. Haven't heard a lot about him yet. Uh, he's still coming back from that injury is more a lock. Is that where someone could sneak in and get a fourth safety spot? And then at nickel corner, 
Diamador Lenore, I would not consider him a lock right now. Um, K1 Williams, the starter from last year is gone. You know, Tart, the starter from last year at strong safety is gone, which is why there's some, um, you know, some space for some guys to win jobs. I would say Womack is a lock as a fifth round pick, pretty close to a lock. Uh, Darquez Denard is. He would is, have to be just, like just really bad. Yeah. That going fifth round pick. Exactly. Um, and then if Verrett is healthy, maybe Mosley works in at, at nickel a little bit, which which just adds to the numbers problem for some of these guys. But I think there might be one spot at the nickel safety position that maybe one of these undrafted guys could get in. That's tough. And then, you know, I mean, if you are a fan of the 49ers, this is a good problem to have because you're looking at it and you're like, man, like this is a good roster. If you are Knight or if you are O'Neal, or even the Womack, you know, potentially, it's tough because, you know, you, you want to figure out a way to give yourself a best chance. And when you go undrafted, like, you typically have your pick out of a few teams. And you would think, like, okay, looking at the 49ers, maybe they don't have a safety that's solidified. And I think O'Neal maybe is looking at that where it's like, well, they got Ward. Then outside that, they just got a bunch of question marks. So this is the perfect roster for him to potentially make it. But he just has to, you know, believe in – him being who he is. I saw some of his tweets when he kind of went undrafted and, you know, some of the things he put out there. A lot of these guys do believe in themselves and they feel like, you know what, I was slept on. Now it's up to you to really kind of make that mark. You got to go out there, you got to make plays, you got to catch on to the speed of the game and you can't get complacent because I've seen that a lot with guys, other guys, I mean, excuse myself included, where you're like, oh, okay, I, I belong here. And it's like, well, no, you don't because they'll cut your ass the moment <laughs> they see a window to do it. Yeah, and the the team has to believe that another team is going to claim you and you can't get to the practice squad. Like, that's how good you like. Right. They don't want to lose you. They cannot lose you, and you have to prove that, and that's going to be tough to do. And, and, you know, one thing for these guys, too, if and I'm not writing any of these guys off, but let's say practice squad is where they start. It, you know, I, I've seen the practice squad. It, it's tough, and, and you can get let go and brought back on there as well. I know one of my guys, man, Rontez Miles, he was a guy that came went to uh, California PA, so it was a Division II school, and he wasn't drafted, but I think he was an All-American at the D2 level, but wasn't drafted, started off on the practice squad. Well, he ended up being one of the team captains for a while for special teams, and he played like six or seven years in the NFL. You know, and like that's a, that's a great career, you know, from where he started and being having to work his way up, being the special team, and just making his niche at that. And for guys like Knight, for guys like O'Neal, if you can do that, like you, you can play a long time in the NFL. So, you know, it's not all over with. Again, I think from the fans' perspective, you want to see, like, who's going to be a starter? But for these guys, if they need any kind of, like, you know, light at the end of the tunnel, like, man, practice squad, you can work your way up from there and just be great on special teams and you can make it in the NFL. And then eventually you might get a shot. Think of guys like Deshaun Goldson. He didn't come in as a starter. You know, Deshaun Goldson didn't start day one, year one. Uh, uh, even from that same kind of era, Terrell Brown. Terrell Brown didn't start until he actually got his second contract. And then it happened to be when uh, uh, Jim Harbaugh showed up and he ended up starting that whole time and started on, you know, three, four championship teams or whatever it was. So, you know, but his first three, four years in the NFL, he wasn't a starter. He was a reserve guy, like special teams. And he had to kind of work his way up. So, uh, you know, it's a it's an uphill battle for a lot of these guys, but you know, it's uh, it's a fun process for me to watch. Uh, how about George Odom? 
became a special teams demon. Might have an opportunity to start now for the 49ers. He's in his second contract now in yeah. the NFL. And he wasn't drafted, right? And, and oh, made his way into uh, a superstar special teamer. And, and the team saw that they wanted to sign him as a, as a free agent. And so indispensability, right? So, And I, I think Quantrez Knight and O'Neal showed the type of – and I didn't scout them on special yeah, teams. Undrafted. Hold on, undrafted. So it would seem like they're the type of, of player who could excel on special teams as well. It's just, you know, the more you can do. Um, okay. I think we pretty much covered most of it and we're running out of time here. Do you have any last thoughts on, on these two guys? Do you have any predictions on, on whether or not each player will make it or if they, if, if they will, here's the, here, I, I will, t- I'll tell you the one reason why neither one is going to start on the roster and they're going to have to make their way on the practice squad. Dante Johnson. Because Dante oh. Johnson can play safety, he can play nickel. <laughs> the and you know he's not going away. So yeah, gotta be better than Dante That's Johnson. That's tough. All right, so yeah, I'll, I'll run with that as well. But hey, man, uh, practice squad, you can make it. And it, it shoot again if they need any more light at the end of the tunnel. The two starting cornerbacks for the 49ers right now, both undrafted: Emmanuel Mosley and uh, Traverius Ward. Wow, there you go. Boom. Fantastic stuff. Thanks, everybody, for making Locked On 49ers your first listen. We're going to keep it going all offseason long as we get ready for 49ers training camp in that 2022 season. You're definitely going to want to tune in to Wednesdays when we continue the all-time San Francisco 49ers draft. Croc and I are still going to go through a couple more of these undrafted prospects and and look at the scouting reports there, see if there's any diamonds in the rough that might be able to uh, make that San Francisco 49ers roster either now or into the future. I think it was a pretty good undrafted free agent hall for the Niners. We've talked about a lot of them already, and we're going to look back at some recent drafts because they say you can't grade an NFL draft until three years. So let's go back three years. Let's look at 2019, maybe even 2018 as well, before we start previewing training camp here on Locked On 49ers. All that coming up and some live shows as well. We'll get into the live stream in the chat and your Twitter questions at Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker. Talk to you tomorrow right here. Locked On 49ers.